All right, thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. Yes, we've certainly heard about the idea of of those that almost stand in the queue on behalf of somebody and hold a space. But I I didn't realize that it had moved to a point where, uh, you know, people are basically forcing others to give them money. Otherwise, they just don't have a place in the queue. We'll see what we can do to try and follow up on that issue. Thanks uh, for raising it with us on the show today. So let me welcome then to the conversation ecological apartheid good food for all uh, that's the theme of the conversation professor ruth hall is with the institute for poverty land and agrarian studies at the university of the western cape professor hall good morning to you good morning Busi Mgangela is the chair of the uh, agri- of the Eastern Cape Agroecology Farmers Association and also of Women in Agriculture and Rural Development. Good morning to you, Busi. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, Prof- uh, Dr. Hall, maybe let me begin with you. I certainly have not been aware of even the phrase ecological apartheid. But if you can explain to me and maybe even some of our listeners that are also new to the concept, what is it? Thank you so much, Cathy. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we are so focused in South Africa on trying to overcome the legacies of apartheid. And at the same time, we're facing a climate crisis. And the concept of ecological apartheid is to say that the climate crisis and the inequality crisis and the racial inequality crisis are not separate. Uh, In fact, what we see in South Africa is again and again, the responses to the climate crisis aggravate inequalities. And these are racial as well as class inequalities and gender inequalities in our society. Let me give you just a couple of examples, perhaps, just to concretize this. Mm. I'm I'm calling you, I'm, I'm on the line from Cape Town, where we have prime public land that has been allocated so cheaply, it's nearly for free, to golf courses. That, um, that provide a space for the wealthy uh, to play a leisure sport on heavily watered, irrigated land. And this is in a city that uh, experiences repeated water crises and drought and that has an ongoing chronic housing crisis. Um, and so ecological apartheid is a concept that says, actually, in our response to the climate crisis, we must address the inequalities in our society. Many of the responses to the climate crisis seem to be about trying to shift the burden onto the poor who are not the primary causes mm. of the climate crisis. So it's about putting the politics of who produces the climate crisis and, and the ecological crisis that we live in right now and who will suffer the consequences. So I think that it's important to think about crisis as a moment and whether it's the COVID crisis or the climate crisis, and of course those are, conne- those, those are coming at the same time, uh, as moments where we have to say every choice that gets made about how we confront a crisis is going to produce winners and losers. Do we use this as a moment to shift the inequality? Because if we don't, we aggravate it. And one of the reasons why I'm pleased to be joining the conversation that the, that the Desmond Tutu Foundation is facilitating is that um, we have been, my institute has been working with others to do research at how the COVID crisis itself 
which is not primarily an ecological crisis, is resulting in significant winners and losers. We have failed to redistribute land in South Africa. We failed to redistribute water. We failed to integrate cities in mm-hmm. substantial ways. And now uh, the crisis is producing losers. And I think what we have, um, what we've seen in the past few weeks, shows that this is an issue that is fundamentally unsustainable. So we need to find ways of dealing inequality at the same time that we confront a climate crisis. Dr. Hall, just before um, you know, I, I move on to, to Sisbusi, who's also on the line, when you talk about a climate crisis, what constitutes a climate crisis in your view? Well, the projections that, for instance, um, there will be large areas of the Earth that will not be habitable within the next few decades, that intermittent and extreme weather conditions will mean um, increasing vulnerability to floods, to drought. Um, and, and we're all told that we're going to have to adjust to this. The question is, is who will have to? Uh, so the climate crisis is one not only of global warming, although, of course, South Africa is a water-scarce country in which actually only 11% of our land is arable right now. It's likely that that will decline and that the areas where food can be cultivated in this country will shift. At the same time, we're trying to do a land reform to deal with the inequalities mm. of land dispossession. And so we cannot simply address the climate issue on the one hand and the inequalities that we inherited from colonialism and apartheid and that are not just legacies of the past but are continually um, being aggravated in fact Uh, we're going to have to confront these together and that means organizing our uses of of land and water uh, and our food systems uh, in entirely different ways Mm. and I think that uh, if there's one positive that has come out of the past few weeks it's a recognition in very much in the mainstream of politics that the warnings about inequality and ecological crisis are not side issues. Um, these are actually core to the future of our ability to function as a society. And if, you know, as happened in the past year, if 47% of households cannot get access to adequate food, uh, if, we, if we are unable to provide the basic means of life for most citizens, uh, we have a, a true crisis on our hands and we're going to have to deal with that. Um, in South Africa, we often contrast the sort of the green movement as being sort of an elitist thing that's for some people who can afford to worry about that. Uh, and I think increasingly we have to stop thinking that inequality and ecological issues are separate. Okay, let me bring in uh, Sisbusi to the conversation, the chair of the Eastern Cape Agroecology Farmers uh, Association. Sisbusi, your own views in terms of ecological apartheid, what it is and how it is affecting our world today? All right. I'm not sure who we have lost on um, the line there. It looks like we may have lost um, uh, Sisbusi Manganga. Mgangela, rather, and we'll certainly try and redial her back on the line. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break and we'll continue our conversation after this. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. 
We continue the show this morning. We're talking about ecological apartheid and uh, basically what are some of the remnants of what we have inherited as a country from what was a very unequal society to the way in which food production, food distribution takes place in the country today and ultimately the kind of quality of food that South Africans end up with on their tables on the day-to-day basis. Well, uh, Busi Mgangaela is the chair of the Eastern Cape Agroecology Farmers Association. She's also with Women in Agriculture and Rural Development. Uh, Sis Busi, your own reflections on this theme, ecological apartheid. Yes, thank you so much, Katie. I would also say my, my the, the understanding of ecological apartheid is the same as uh, what Professor Ruth Hall has said. But uh, from the perspective of a farmer, uh, it means the marginalization of rural and smallholder farmers. And this has caused a lot of inequalities because the agriculture system now that is uh, occurring, it is favoring the commercial farmers rather than the smallholder farmers. Whereas with the commercial farmers, we look, they are looking at monocropping and the monocropping that is scarring the environment and scarring the land, that is bringing about a, ill health on the human beings. Whereas the smallholder farmers and the rural farmers are looking at biodiversity, at ecology, resilience, they are taking care of the environment, they are taking care of the people's health, and also they are being fair to the environment and its inhabitants and to everybody that is living. So uh, ecological apartheid, it is really uh, uh, ravaging and uh, disadvantaging the rural farmers, who are the indigenous farmers, and also because they are seed, that is the traditional seed that they are having, that are supposed to be giving resilience and giving health to boost the immune system uh, whenever the crop is being planted on a healthy, fertile soil, then that also is being looked down upon by the corporates and the multinationals. Mm-hmm. And j- just perhaps more specifically, in in what ways do you believe that smallholder farmers and rural farmers are being marginalized? And perhaps speak to me as somebody who works in the sector and who's also a farmer. If, for instance, you look at the programs that are there for the, for the, for the government, they are looking at scaling up. They are looking at the number of hectares. And, and when they talk of cropping, they talk of commercialization. And the smallholder farmers have got less land, maybe a hectare, and now they don't fit into the programs that are there for them to be producing food. Whereas there's vast land in the, in the rural areas, there's vast land with the smallholder farmers, but that land is not taken as land, the hectare that would be able to, 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 to have food security. And they are overlooking the food sovereignty that is there, that is supposed to be the, 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 the system that is looking at the, the health and the ecology uh, for, uh, and being sustainable uh, uh, as a system of agriculture. So ultimately, 
how does this affect the process of food distribution and ultimately the kind of food and the quality of food that ends up on the dinner table for South Africans, at least for those who are able to have dinner? You will find that, uh, Katie, we, South Africa is being said to be food secure, and which is not the case because, fine, you will find the food in the supermarkets. The supermarkets are full with food, but if you look at that food, what quality does that food have? Is, is it nutritious enough? Is there a choice for a, 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 an indigenous a, a, a person who will go to a supermarket and look at the food that is there? They don't have choice. They just have to take whatever food that is there because it is the food that is available. So they are denied of the choice of having their own food that is a, 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 a produced by them, distributed by them, and them even having a, 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 a choice and having a say into the, 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 the agricultural system that is there and everything that uh, revolves around the distribution points and the markets that are there. So, so, so now you find that the, the rural farmers and the smallholder farmers, they have no say. They have no say. And even in the system that they have to be doing, they don't have a say. A, a say. I'm in conversation with Busi Mgangela. She's the chair of the Eastern Cape Agroecology Farmers Association and also part of Women in Agriculture and Rural Development. Uh, Professor Ruth Hall has had to leave the conversation, unfortunately, and I'll be taking your calls on uh, this conversation, 011-714-2006, on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107, and on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SAFM Talking Point. So what are your views in terms of what the guests have said in as far as ecological apartheid is concerned? The ways in which we still have a great deal of inequality when it comes to the food systems of this country, how those food systems are produced so how food is produced, how it ends up on our table, and including the quality of food that we actually have access to. Sisbosi, if we were to reimagine, and, and I just want to stay with the example that you have given about the food that we find in our shopping centers. Um, we don't we can't we don't know any better necessarily because what we, you, you know after a while you expect what it is that you have been given over time but if we were to reimagine what spaces like your fruit and vegetable markets or even your supermarkets should look like from the perspective of uh, smallholder farmers and also rural farmers how differently would these organizations look or uh, these shops look if from from the local market even from the spaza shops in the in the rural areas from your small towns in the in the in the in the small townships and the towns of of, of the rural villages uh, one should be able to get the healthy food it's not supposed to be in certain shops that are deemed to be they, they, for those that are high flung and those that are uh, upper class, it, it, good food is supposed to be even eaten by the very, 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 very 
a, a poor person or an illiterate person in mm. the villages uh, because it has to be a, a produced locally and the one that is produced locally looking at soil fertility, building the soil, which is the very most important, uh, building the soil by giving the soil the organic matter that it deserves. It was meant to accept the organic matter so that then it can build the, the nutrients that it was made to build so that the nutrients get into the crop and the crop that is going to be consumed by a person, even in the deepest of the rural areas. So if the smallholders were given, smallholder farmers were given that opportunity, there wouldn't be even a need for them to get a, a transport to go and, and, and get food. They would just organize themselves within the lo the, the, their local areas, maybe on the systems that are called PGS, which is participatory guarantee systems, systems that are advocating for local production of healthy food and sharing of information amongst the farmers. And that is also promoting the livelihood within the communities before the food can go out. Because even that transportation mm -hmm. has got also its a, a disadvantages because it is adding to the climate change and the global warming that we are talking about. We are facing drought these days because of such things, of industrialization. Why is um, the so-called healthy food, and you've spoken about these stores and, you know, you'll find a couple of them at a shopping center. They won't be too many. Uh, they're certainly outnumbered by the, num by the amount of, 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 of supermarkets that, that are there. Why is it that the food is so expensive, the food that is considered healthy food? It's the same uh, ecological, apartheid that we are, ecological apartheid that we are talking about because some people saw that a healthy food or organic food was a niche market and then they capitalized on that, which is not supposed to be the case because if you go to the rural area and you find a, 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 a mother there producing food using the, 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 the manure, using the compost that they are making from recycling their food scraps, uh, that food is not supposed to be expensive because it is using uh, available resources and there is not much of, 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 of money that is supposed to be put. Yes, of course, maybe in the beginning when you are starting because it is labor intensive. And why not? Because we are saying South Africa has got no employment and the rate of unemployment is so high. But then why do we run away from a system that is labor intensive so that we can open jobs for the people that are not employed? And in the, in, 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 as we are doing it, as you do it, uh, uh, it builds resilience. And in the coming years, then there won't be much of labor that is there All because right. the system will be like working for itself, giving the results that are are expected. Sisbusi, I'm going to ask you just to pause there for me in terms of your reflections. Uh, Luanda Maume has your latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point this morning for this hour. We're talking about ecological apartheid and we've been reflecting on this concept. In fact, it's uh, one of the dialogues that is uh, going to be looked at by the Desmond and Leah Dudu Legacy Foundation. And it's about how do we get access 
of good food to all in South Africa. And our guests have been exploring that, you know, the, the questions of inequality that we're facing in this country, even when it comes to quality of food, have their roots in the history of this country. And, and I suppose it's unavoidable. We, we simply can't run away from the fact that 27 years after democracy, we are still living in a country in many ways, in many facets of, of our society, where we are dealing with the consequences of unresolved matters that have been inherited from what was an unjust system. And, and, and I think we see it in, in every part of our lives as South Africans. And so the sooner we have the conversation about how we begin to change some of these things, the sooner that we can get this country working for everyone that belongs to it. Let me go to the phone lines. Pule, you're calling us from Clarkstorp. Good morning to you, Pule. Yes, Kathy, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. No, you're trying here. Look, um, people normally say we, we mustn't blame an apartheid. Mm. An apartheid has caused a huge, serious damage, in particular in black Africans. Look, when, when, when I grew up, my grandmother used to tell me that mm. there was a force remover. They used to have organic food. They would plant spinach, not genetically modified. The proper they one would... that you live that you leave on the zinc for the whole afternoon. Yes, they'll <laughs> yes. They, you know, they'll have a ginger, mm. they'll have a garlic, you mm. know. They'll have this 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 um uh, a red chili and the and the and the green chili, mm. you know. And we'll eat that. They'll have organic chicken, you know. Then, then apartheid was introduced. There was a force removal. Then we are forced even to eat things that are genetically modified. The sooner the government sits down, all political parties, and say, let us revisit the issue of Cordessa. Somewhere, somehow, it blundered. Somewhere, somehow, it did well. Can we readdress the injustice of the past? And there are parties that don't want to talk about the injustice of the past. We are what we are today because of some of us, not all of us, because of apartheid. And there are people don't want... Look, the issue of, of hatred, the issue of separation, the issue of inequality was a, a, a teach. People were taught that nobody was born to hate a person, but people were taught to hate you. You know, so... Uh, uh, how can a child who qualifies to be the child of your own child and use a K-weight from to you? Where does it get it from? You know, so there are a lot need to be done in this country. Uh, 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 we are suffering because of apartheid. The sooner we address the injustice and inequality, but so so so, so Bully, let's try and narrow down the issue then specifically to the.
the conversation that we're having today, which is around food. How do we begin to change the situation in particular where access to food is is concerned and even access to nutritious and and healthy food? Uh, Because when we look at the impact of what the lack of nutrition in our food is, it's not just resulting in a high burden of disease on the health system, but you also have a a growing problem of, of stunted growth among youngsters in in South Africa, especially in in disadvantaged communities? The sooner sooner your question is right or your statement, the the sooner we introduce this in the academic level at schools, the issue we address, the sooner we address the issue of a land, the better for us. Let us produce farmers at school. Let this be a teaching from childhood. A white child was taught to do farming at a young, young, young age. An Indian child taught to do business at a young, young, young age. Let us do. Let us introduce this at the, in, in our academical schools so that we need to address the issue of food. We need to address the issue of organic food. We need to address the issue of farming. The sooner we address and finish the issue of the land, the better for us. Without the land, Katie, we will eat what we are not supposed to eat, mm-hmm. and we become what we eat. We bounce, you know. Uh, uh, we we become so huge because of you have no choice at the end of the day. But eat this genetically modified chickens, you know. A chicken just within six weeks is so big. You put it in the pot, it becomes so small as size of your hand. <laughs> you know, because it's genetically modified. You know, so right. even a cabbage, you cut it, you cut it, you put it in the pot, it's shrinked. Mm. You know, All right, so Pule. the issue. Yes, thank you, Kim. All right, thanks for that call. Uh, Bully out in Clarkstorp. Polly in the Northern Cape, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, also good, thank you. Uh, well, Bully has said it all. Bully has said it all. Uh, just to be specific, the real thing of uh, correcting the problem that we are sitting with now in terms of food production, it should start from a level of education at school. Mm. Because you can see some of us, sorry I'll use the, the, the name black, some of us as the black people, we are still so willing to practice farming because we know for, for, for a fact that food and the meat that's healthy comes from farming and agriculture. I won't use any name of the shops, I don't want to, but what I can say, the food and the meat that we are getting these days is the main cause of chronic diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure. That is the fact, because we are eating what we're not supposed to eat, you understand. It is very bad for us, again, because even if we are so willing to practice agriculture in a large scale or bigger scale, you don't have land. Even our sisters and brothers are busy doing agriculture in the Western Cape province under NSFAS. But after that, what they're going to do? Nothing. Because those people do not have a space. They are just prepared, being prepared to go and work for the, for the, for the big farmers, mm. which is from the minority of our country, who, who are white people. It is so bad for us. For instance, I'm originating from uh, Eastern Cape in Kamada. There we used to have a big 
irrigation scheme when I was growing up. That was supplying uh, Asia. It was the time of Transkai that time. Transkai depend, depended on that scheme. It was just supplying everything, veggies, milk, everything that you need. But when the government took over in 1994, those were destroyed. If for what, we never know because we're not politicians. Right. But now our government should change education system. Our kids should be learned the skills to survive in their lives, not mm. to be taught a theory that will do nothing. Because the reality is you pass metric, after that, nothing. You can't do anything. But when you compare South Africans versus Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans were, were at maybe grade 11. These guys can survive on their hands. But for us, you go in tertiary level, but you come out with nothing. All so right. we are asking our government to please implement skills at school level now. Polly in the Northern Cape, thanks for that call. I'm going to take a quick break. I will give Sisbusi a chance to also weigh in in terms of the reflections of our callers. And of course, I'll also take more of your calls. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at the inequalities within our food system and how this is exacerbating the conditions of the majority of people in this country. And I, I just actually managed to pull up some of um, the research that I, w- I was talking about and citing in as far as stunted growth is concerned. And currently in South Africa, 27% of children under five suffer uh, from stunting in their country. And a huge cause of this is malnutrition. Not really the idea of starvation that we are used to, where, you know, children are just very, very thin and, you know, that just, yeah, they look, uh, they, they look very, very starved. But um, on the appearance of it, a child may look fine, but um, what is actually happening in the background is that the malnutrition is resulting in stunted growth and the poor nutrition exacerbating the kind of poverty, the kind of inequality that we are seeing in this country because those children will struggle to go through school, they'll struggle to actually make something of their lives because of the ways in which their growth has been impeded on. Um, impugned on, rather. Uh, Sisbusi, let me bring you back into the conversation and perhaps just for you to weigh in and reflect on some of the things that our listeners have been saying. Yes, thank you, Katie. Uh, I agree when they say uh, agriculture should be taught in schools, but not just any agriculture sustainable agriculture that is looking at ecology, biodiversity, uh, where there will be resilience and uh, there will be building of the soil so that the soil uh, is able to give the plant the nutrients that you are talking about that are causing standard growth in the, in the, in the case as the study that you are talking about because it, it was seen when now there were a, a child grant in, the, in South Africa that, yes, they increased it. Uh, they, 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 they all decreased the poverty at uh, that line or, or, or some sort. But then the food that is there is not nutritious and it's causing the children to be, ha- to be having standard growth. It's because that food is grown 
in the system that is monocropping, that is taking the nutrients out of the soil which, and leaching the nutrients out, which are supposed to be into the, into, into the crop itself with micronutrients, with vitamins, with amino acids, essential amino acids that are going to feed that child so that that child can grow uh, and be the, the person that she was meant to be. So schools, yes, but there are farmers already Local farmers, rural farmers that have got land. And one caller was saying he was from Eastern Cape in Kamata, mm. where there is vast land that is lying fallow because there is no support. And if we could support and, and, and empower those local farmers and use the sustainable ways of, uh, of, of, of producing food, then we would get what we are getting. We would be commercial as a country where we would be including 8,000 farmers instead of one farmer having 8,000 hectares. There is a saying that a community exists when there is active involvement of people in the issues which affect their lives. Can those local farmers, can those smallholder farmers, can those rural farmers, can those township farmers be involved in what is affecting their lives? Because what is affecting their lives now is the type of, 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 of food that they are getting there, which is not nutritious at all. If I may just narrate a story, just a little bit of a story for myself, mm. where I am coming from. I am a professional nurse that was trained, and I graduated at UNISA as a nurse educator and a nurse administrator. Throughout my years of training as a nurse, much as I was teaching my students, to take care of themselves and primary prevention being better than a, 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 a choring. So you, you prevent, a, 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 which, is, which is cheaper than a, a, a just choring. A, but then we were like a stressing the, the nutrition as, as, as the health part of it, that you must tell your people that a, they must eat healthy. At the time, I didn't know that if I get a, a beetroot a, from a store, and I'm supposed to be getting a beetroot that is supposed to be having so much of nutrients. I never knew there was a difference until I came to, lo- to know about agroecology. And agroecology told me the difference be- be- between the food that is uh, produced commercially using the, 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 the agrochemicals that are so detriment to the health, to the, to the earth, and that are causing illnesses with spread risks and all that. So, so the, 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 the health of the food is in the soil that you are building. Mm. It is in mm. those uh, lands that are there in the rural areas that are lying fallow that need to be used and to be built so that then we are able to sustain ourselves. Right. And uh, I just want also to, to comment on the part of the GMOs that were mentioned. Uh, we do not have GMO spinach. In South Africa, the, the, the registration for GMOs is on maize, it is on cotton, and it is on soya bean. So other seeds will either be hybrid, will either be OPV, or will either be alum, so which is a topic for another day. But uh, 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 be that as it may, really, if we look at the, the, the way we are producing our food, building the soil, it is the way that is going to... To, to, to cater for all the problems that are there for chronic illnesses that are caused by nutrition. 
I want to quickly go to Anonymous in Pretoria. Anonymous, good morning. Who are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Anonymous. I'm good, thanks. Mm. Uh, I would just want to sum it up. We are where we are in food security as a result of Monsanto. It is a company that is supplying seeds, GMOs, and the AgriSA is aware of that, that what they are feeding us is poisonous. And the government is aware of that because they are part of it. So I will say it's an individual choice. Mm. Because if you look at McDonald's, how it's branded, and then you look at traditional food, uh, when someone is eating McDonald's versus traditional food, the one who, who, who is eating traditional food, he looks like a fool. Or someone who is eating something that is outdated. So the system, it makes poisonous food to look like it's real food. We are where we are with people who are now suffering from these comorbidities, who have the comorbidities rather. Mm. They are vulnerable to COVID-19 because of as a result of a lifestyle that started about 20, 30 years ago. You see? So now where we are, those people that are vulnerable now, they did not start eating that now. It's as a result of 20-30 years lifestyle, injecting poisonous food slowly in small quantities. All right. Anonymous, thank you so much for that call and for that perspective. I'm going to take more of your calls after this quick break. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. We continue the conversation on the talking point today. We're looking at improving the conversation of uh, eradicating inequality when it comes to access to food in this country, whether it is the production of food or even um, what ends up in our fridges, what ends up in our homes, and the quality of food that we have and the role that inequality plays even when it comes to accessing food. Zinolo, you're calling us from KwaZulu-Natal. Good morning. Good morning, Sis Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. I'm all right. Uh, Sis Katie, I once spoke about the agro-processing mm. and the captains of those industries who are people who are processing our food and packaging it. That's one. Number two, uh, a failure to provide opportunities for people where they are they move somewhere else. That's why you see a lot of sharks everywhere. People are looking for opportunities because they've been failed where they are. And then the, the, the question that people should be asking themselves, how come that we are the only race that is at the receiving end of, of all of this? And uh, I hope that uh, more people like your guests there can come out and voice these things. Thank you, Sis All right. Thanks for that. Andres in Johannesburg. Good morning, Andres. Good morning, Katie. Yes. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Go for it. Oh, I'm fine. 
don't, I don't think I'm going to go far from your topic uh, too much. My problem is uh, apartheid has affected me so bad. My grandfather, they stayed in a area next to Mahalis. They called that place Boons. They were taken by force by white people and apartheid government and go and thrown at uh, the court at a place called uh, Belida in Rustenburg. My ma- my grandmother and my father, very one or two years old, they were in the farm. When they come back, they find nothing, no houses, because they destroyed everything. She has to walk very long distance to Otterzak, where she raised my, my father. I'm not using, my father didn't use my my grandfather's name. I'm not using my grandfather's name. I went to home affairs. Home affairs says they want someone who was born with my father so that I'm, I'll be able to change uh, my surname. So I must do the DNA. The DNA sure. so that I can be able to change. Mm. It is so bad. I don't know. I don't know where to start. Mm, mm. They cannot help me change my own family. Even though I tell them, I grew like this. My father told me, when you want my people, go to Rustenberg. Use this same name. You will find them. I can't. Mm. Oh, and my, Reece, my, yeah. my own My own government cannot make me to have my own surname. They want DNA tests. Where do I go? Am I going to get it? Yeah, Andres, I'm so sorry to hear about your experience. And I think in many ways what you're saying goes back to um, what uh, Dr. Ruth Hall at, at the beginning of, of this conversation was saying, that the question about, you, you know, food in and inequality is not uh, exempt from, from that of inequality holistically. And it is not separate from issues of, of land ownership in this country that all of these issues are intertwined and, and, and they really overlap in so many different ways. And, and, and your story becomes becomes just an, an example of that, Andres. And also, please, uh, can we please find out from uh, Home Affairs, why, why the DNA test? My, our brothers from our neighboring countries, they use money to get whatever name they want. And they get it. I don't want to use money. I, I was told by my, by my father, he will never lie to me what is his real, real surname. Okay. Andres, it sounds like a complex matter, and for now I don't actually have uh, an answer for you or even a way to, to assist you, but I will put you back to um, the producer level. Maybe there's something more that uh, he can actually do for you after the show. Uh, William, good morning to you. You're calling us from the Free State. Yes. Good morning, sister. Mm. I, I, I concur with those who, who blame a party, but let me be uh, honest uh, uh, this case. I'm, I'm from the free state. We, 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 after 1994, Mandela gave us uh, 
application that we can claim for our forefathers' farm. I've got a massive farm, 1,200 hectares. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm not generalizing here. Some of our black brothers are lazy to think. I, I, after receiving the, the farm, I said, brothers, let's come together and work the farm and and we will make a lot of money. I was supplying sparse, sparse with 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 uh, uh, spinach and we 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 plowing millies, but the, the the unfortunate thing, I became sick. The the everything has gone back to back back in my system. My heart is oozing blood. I, I I concur that we have I'm from the farm. We are disadvantaged by the by by. But 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 I I I I don't deny. But God gave us the the power to think. I can think out of a box. I'm a singer. They know me at 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 the farm that I'm a singer. If I can think about this, it will happen. Yeah. So I wish one day God can give you power and strength. You go to our down to the free state and you phone me. I will show you the farm and say, "This is what I, what I acquire after uh, the power of mind, after thinking very deep. If you can think and be positive, you can get it." Okay. All right. And Dr. William, thank you so much for uh, for that call and certainly what you've been able to, to make of the farm and make out of that business, despite the hesitance, hesitancy from others to be part of the process. Sispusi, if you can just quickly wrap up for me just your final thoughts very, very briefly, please. Yes, thank you, Katie. Uh, wrapping up, I would like to talk about uh, women now in South Africa as a, as a, as a woman and a a, a chairperson of women. Uh, you'll find that even in the, the presidential speech, uh, they are talking about 50% of the budget going to women. And uh, you'll find that most women are in agriculture, but they are challenged and they can't even access the financing that is there for the farmers because of the land issue. And uh, it is said that uh, women must be prioritized, but women don't have land. Uh, the, the, the applications are saying, bring proof that you've got land, yet the land, if the title deed is written under their husband's name or under their brother's name, because the women cannot have title deeds for land. So what I would like to say is that, please, the powers that be, look after women. Let All us right. look at our environment. Let us look at our soil. Let us look at the, 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 the quality of the food. All right. Grow your own food. Make your food your medicine and your medicine your food. Thank Thank you so we're going to have to leave it there for today. Let me thank all of the guests and all of the callers for being part of the show today. Sakina Kamwendo up next with the update at noon.